Well, my friends, today is December 3rd, 2017. The title of today's message is Ring Revelations and Calling the Round. Ring Revelations and Calling the Round. I do want to start off by saying that we're going to do something different in the month of December. Everybody say we're going to do something different. Okay. Everybody say it with me. We're going to do something different. Uh, we are, we are, uh, I, I was looking around this morning and I found, uh, you know, at a time of year when other churches are doing series, churches that do series, right? Some of the series that we actually looked up this morning, actual, we're not just making these up, uh, Christmas at the movies, where you, where you get, you know, everything from Jingle all the way to Elf, I don't, I don't know what's going on, Crazy Grace. Swing for the fences because, I mean, who can't talk about baseball since there was some team in town that did something? Christmas dreams. I ate Christmas. And Christmas under the big top. Under the big top. Big, we're big top and Christmas. Um, so here, here's what we realize as your pastors. We, we've been talking and praying about this. Uh, we are obliged to bring you the direction that the Lord has for us. Because here's what I know about our enemy. He doesn't decide, well, I was going to attack you, but it's December. So I'm going to go, the enemy is not going to take the month off. And so we're not going to take the month off. Amen? Amen. Anybody, had, uh, anybody have less financial uh, obligations this month than the month before? Anybody got less? Okay, good. Anybody had less difficulty in the past few weeks than before? No. What happens? We get close to, close to Christmas time and what happens? There's things that are ramping up. My friends, we are in a battle. We are in a battle and we are going to be victorious in every way. Did you feel the overcoming, overwhelming power of his victory this morning as we were worshiping? I couldn't figure out if I wanted to jump up and down, shout or cry or all of the above. So I did all of them during our worship service because I think I needed all of those going, oh, you really are there. This is so good. The Lord is bringing us to a point, uh, and if you'll think about some of our last few messages... Think about our last few messages, just for a second. We've been reminded that we're not victims here, we're more than conquerors. That we're still here. That God's love has been given to us freely. That with saints such as these... If I just start listing titles of sermons, it should start bolstering your strength. You know why? Because the Lord understands that we're in a battle, and He's been preparing us. At every turn, with every sermon, at every point, He's saying, Hey, I'm with you guys, and I want you to be able to focus your eyes on me. So what we're going to do is we're looking at December as kind of a 12th round. I don't know if you guys know anything about boxing. Boxing started out just uh, beyond time. As soon as they were men, there there were boxing matches. If you're like me and you grew up with a brother, then you know all about boxing matches. Unsanctioned. Out in the backyard that started as you playing football with somebody and turned into a fisticuffs. You know, the original boxing matches did not have rounds. They just went until one man either verbally said that he was inferior to the other or could no longer speak. It just went until someone couldn't go anymore. In the early 1900s, it was not uncommon for boxing matches to go 50, 60, 80, or even a hundred rounds when they started adding rounds because they just kept going until someone quit or died. So when I say that we're in the 12th round, 
I don't mean to insinuate that we're in our final round. But I do mean to insinuate that we are already engaged in battle and we've been at it for a little while. We've been at it for a while and it's time for us to hear from the Lord of all creation about how we're going to continue and be victorious. Somebody say, I'm going to be victorious. Come on, somebody say, I want to win in this place. Today I am going less for trying to teach you something and trying to encourage our hearts that this month, starting today, we're going to be talking about the 12th round. This is the month of the 12th round. And we're going to figure out how that we rightly battle to get victory. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 46? Come on, I feel His presence here in this place today. If you don't, it's all right, because you will in just a few minutes. The God of all creation, the one who created the universe is here with us now. What do you need that He cannot do for you? (laughs) What amount of money? What amount of resources? What is going on in your family? What is going on in your home? What is going on on your job that our God can't help you? Now this is what things change from religion to reality in our lives, don't they? We can talk about it. Yes, the Lord is good. Praise God. (sighs) And we wilt back into some little, <laughs> some little daisy, some little flower, some little cupcake off to the side that is not even that appeasing because we're just kind of wilted by the pressure of life. There was a message that Pastor Eric did a few years ago. I believe it was in August of 2014. Everybody say, that really wasn't that long. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, that's a long time. No, it's not really. It feels like yesterday. And the sermon was entitled, Clinch, Turn, and mountain offensive. Anybody remember that sermon? I do. Yeah, I'm still living that sermon. <laughs> Each of these messages that we're going to do under the theme of battle, of the month of the 12th round. So what am I saying? I'm saying our church is going to do an intentional series. Uh-oh. We are. But it's not up under the big top. We don't need a movie clip. We're not going to invite some famous person, maybe comedian, to come in and do our, to do our tag intro for you so you can see it online. Yeah, these are real things, my friends. I wish they weren't. I'm actually telling you real things. We're going to do a series to help us to win this battle. Yes. And in each sermon in the series, whether it's me or Pastor Eric or one of you that are preaching it, you're going to find a portion in it that's going to talk about clinching. We're going to engage with the reality of what is going on. We're going to turn and find out what God actually wants us to do, hear from His Word, and we're going to mount an offensive so that the enemy will crumble beneath us. Amen. I learned a new verb the other day. We were in Chicago, and I guess you've got to go up north sometime to get some new verbs. And the verb was this, and I've never... Uh, we were talking with some mighty men and women of God, and they said, yeah, we were watching this video, and that dude crumpled the other dude. What? Like, crumpled? What do you mean? Like, hit him so hard, he just crumpled. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't know you can make... Okay, that's a verb now. Hey, we're, we're going to start throwing some blows in this church that's gonna, just going to crumple the enemy. Amen. I'm tired of us getting some body blows and it taking the wind out of us. I'm ready to go on the offensive. Are you? In Isaiah chapter 46, as we get ready to clinch with what the Lord has here, look in verse 8. Are you there with me? Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me. Listen to this. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Come on, that's like a boss. Someone who is so dominant, someone walks up to you. If you've ever seen, I, we, we were in Chicago again, and I saw a man, and I thought he, he was like the size of a gorilla. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that large in person and that muscular. Like, I just looked at him and went, golly, what a judge. You know, when you look at someone who seems to be intimidating, you're like, golly, ooh, not sure. There are times in my life where I would kind of walk in a room and go, see, because I grew up in the wrong section of town. So you'd always kind of have to seize up everybody to figure out whether you wanted to enter that room or not. <laughs> we have a God who is called the end from the beginning. Doesn't matter what you guys want to do. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter the way it looks. He said, I'm going to tell you now from the beginning what's going to happen in the end. He's given us his word to do that, has he not? Amen. He gives us prophecy. He gives us instruction. And he said, I'm calling the end from the beginning. Wow, what an encouragement to us. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to see this said a different way. I love the fact that God says in advance, my purpose is going to stand. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. God has already said, my purpose is going to make it. Amen. My purpose will be fulfilled. We are part of a victorious church, not just because it's LCM, because we're part of the true church of Christ. Amen? Amen. Look in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 calling the end from the beginning, right here at the beginning of the story. It says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. If I say crush it. Crush it. Man, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Isn't this amazing? In Genesis chapter 3, barely at the beginning of recorded human history, and we already have God declaring the end from the beginning. Since you're there in Genesis, turn to Genesis chapter 12. This should be f very, very familiar to us. I'm just giving and laying some groundwork that I know that we all agree to, but I want us to see it with our own eyes here. Verse 1, Genesis 12, 1, it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's house and go to the land I will show you. Wow, we're not even going to preach on that today, but if you're going to go where God tells you to, you're going to have to leave something behind. You're going to have to leave the place that you're from, the people that you identify with and the people that sometimes you hold most dear. Yes, Amen. This, is, this is part of what this is required of us <laughs> because we have someone who's called the end from the beginning and he tells us this ahead of time. We should not let our hearts be troubled when we have difficulties with our families. You know why? Because the word has already instructed us that way. It's shown us that way over and over and we have to stand firm in what God has said because he's already declared it to us. Anybody ever had anything in your life where God has told you and then it still surprises you when it happens? I don't quite know how that's possible, but that is so possible. It's so uh, typical in my life. He says there's going to be healing and I get nervous about it and then it happens and you're like, well, praise God. I'm surprised. I'll, I'll be praying hard for somebody and praying for a miracle and it happens. I'm like, whoa, he did a miracle. Yeah, that's, this is exactly what he does. We should neither be surprised at the miracles nor should we be surprised at the difficulty because he's declared the end from the beginning but his purposes will stand. Keep going in 
Genesis 12, verse 2. This is a promise he makes to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Now, I've got to ask you a quick question. There are a lot of famous people to whatever level. Do you already know that Abram or Abraham is one of the most famous names across the globe? Are there people famous in your field? The names that are known, the companies that are known. You get used to talking about that. Abraham has a name that's known. He's, he's a father of the way the world will say it. He's the father of three major religions or involved in three major world religions that take about half the human population. I would say that the Lord has made his name great and will make you a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And God is calling the end from the beginning, my friends. Let's turn to Psalm 33. Now that we've had law and prophets, let's look at the writing. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 has just been blessing me to no end lately. Seems like I, I keep turning back to here and, and just finding more and more of the Lord's beauty. Verse 4. Psalm 33, 4 says this, For the Lord, the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. Hey, everybody. The Lord is faithful in all He does. Let's quit acting like He's not faithful. Let's quit acting like He's ever given you or me a reason not to fully trust in Him. Never has He ever failed me in any way. And yet, if you would ask, if you would check on my anxiety level from day to day, if you would check on my faith level, sometimes you might, it might look like it anything other than that. It, it, if you asked me and talked to me in my, in my weakest moments, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know why I'm nervous about this. Yeah, because I've forgotten His faithfulness. I've forgotten the one who's called the end from the beginning. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of His unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. I want you not to tune out here just for a few seconds. We're going to keep reading the scriptures. And I know no one in here ever tunes out while we're reading scripture. I mean, I don't ever do that. I don't want you to read this like you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. I want you to actually engage with the scripture here and let the scripture engage with your heart for just a second, okay? So verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. This is the same word of the Lord that has come in human form. This is the same word of the Lord that has declared the end from the beginning, that his purposes will stand. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Just on his shelf, there's the Atlantic Ocean. There's the Pacific Ocean. He's, he's gathered the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Come on, how big is a storehouse for that? Come on, you guys who work in a warehouse. Think about that for a minute. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Yeah, you should, because he's got the deep in a storehouse. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke and it came to be. You know, that's easy for us to believe looking back, isn't it? He spoke and let there be light. And we can believe that. Why? Because there's light. If he's declaring the end from the beginning, then he's also told us everything and how this is going to, be, how this is going to work out. Yeah. He's also told us that anyone who puts their hope in him, they will never be put to shame. Yeah. 
He's told us a lot in His Word, and it's just as sure about the things that we don't yet see fully as what has already happened. So just as sure as you look at this and accept it quickly, yes, we know that, Pastor. Yes, He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. What is He speaking to us today? What has He spoken to you that you are wavering and forgetting that you're in a battle? The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of His heart through all generations. What purposes are you involved in with the Lord? What has He purposed for your life? What has He called you to? Think back on some of the sermons that we've just recently visited. That our loving God is moving upon us. That He's ready to wash our sins away because He loves us. He wants us close to Him. What are His purposes and plans? Because they're going to stand firm forever. Let's turn to another place. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Who is he talking about here? Jesus the Christ. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And what an encouragement. We know that we've seen this sevenfold Spirit upon Jesus Christ. He will, uh, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God doesn't, that, that Jesus as the righteous judge doesn't need to see the way we need to see to figure out what's right? To hear? Let me hear the full story. No, no, no. He doesn't decide by those things, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. What a beautiful picture, right? Aren't you seeing him clothed with these things? It reminds us of priestly garments. It reminds us of Ephesians 6. But let's keep going. The wolf will lie. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goats, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. So here's us clinching the reality of God's word today. Just as sure as what he has promised is trustworthy and true. Just as sure as he has declared the end from the beginning. What are we supposed to do with today? We can look back and look at creation and go, man, what He spoke, it came into existence. We can trust looking ahead, looking far down the road and going, you know what? At the end, all things will be made right under God's righteous rule. Every single part of creation. But what do we do about today? We are in a battle today because, um, let's see, anybody want to go let their infant play near the hole of a cobra? But the Word of God says it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. So why don't you just let your kid go play in the, in the snake pit at the zoo? Yeah, that's not because we're not there yet. 
We are not yet there. We are still in the process of making these things happen. Of God using us to bring these things to the earth. The Lord may have fully called the round of His victory. Certain boxers in history, I won't even give them credit by giving their name, as they, uh, some of them worshipped other gods, <coughs> became famous for saying, I'm going to knock out this person in the fourth round, and would knock him out in the fourth round. They would call their round. They had such confidence in their ability, in their game plan, and what they had going on, that they said, I'm going to call the round. And I'm going to fulfill the round that I called. Yeah. <laughs> we have a God who calls the end from the beginning. He calls his round and it's right every time. When he calls success, when he brings something to be, when he speaks it into your life, it will be that and he will and has declared it. We have a Lord who has fully called the round of his victory, clearly telling the enemy how and what his ultimate demise will be and what it will look like. But we can't always let that obscure the present moment. How do we wrestle with these two truths? That God is in fact right and righteous in all He does. And yet we see that not everything has been brought under His, the reality of His full control yet. It's because we're in a battle. It's because in our case we're in the 12th round of a battle. We are in the part of the story where it's, we're far too long, too far long to stop. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah. And this is really tough, but uh, too far long to quit. And uh, I'm not quite sure how much further I need to go. I've thought about going back. I've thought about going back on that commitment. But at this point in my life, I really have no other option than just to keep going with whatever may be. Far too many people in our day and time are fighting the wrong battles. They're losing battles at home between husbands and wives. The fact that any husband and wife can decide to go back on the covenant they've made shows how far that we get from the, the truth of Scripture. Yeah. I love my wife. We've been married almost 21 years. In January, it'll be 21 years. At this point, i just got to be honest with you guys. We're never going to get a divorce. It'd just be too much work. <laughs> Look... We've gone too far. No. We're going to stay together because we love each other. We will continue to grow. I, I can't even think of living life on my own anymore. It's been so long since we've been together. I'm like, I met Christy when I was 12 years old. <laughs> she just didn't know it yet. <laughs> she loved me then, but just didn't know it. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to be a little lighthearted about this. At this point in my walk with the Lord, I've just gone too far to think about turning back. Would you be with me in this? Would you stop thinking about how you're going to quit? Stop thinking about the areas that you can get away with not being fully committed. You've gone too far at this point. You've, you've gone through too much. You've endured. You've already been through a lot of rounds here. If you've been through 11 rounds just this year... Why would you want to stop and make those things for nothing? At this point, if I've gotten this battered and torn and landed this many blows and had this many blows landed against me, you know what? I'm at least not going to quit. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm just determined to see this thing through. I think I'm determined to put those thoughts of despair, of quitting, 
of slacking, of retreating, of pulling back somehow. We've got to let those things go. And I'm telling you right now that there are some of us who that's a good revelation for you. You've got to stop retreating, my friends. We've just gone too far. Let's turn to John chapter 11. If we can but endure, if we can press forward, what I heard today in the worship time was such an encouragement to me. Did you hear it? Did you hear what, what was the Lord speaking to you today during the worship? What he was speaking to me was that he's with us, that he is mighty in battle. He's roaring like a lion. Man, I need that. One day I'll get to watch a lion eat straw like, like another animal, but right now I need a lion who can roar for me. I need a lion with some teeth on him to get after it because that's the spirit that we should be doing. In John chapter 11, let's look at verse 21. You guys know this story, right? It's the death of Lazarus. This is somewhere in the middle of the story. Again, would you uh, not fast forward to the end of what you already know? In so many sermons that have been preached. Let's just read the word together in verse 21 of John 11. Are you there? There. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. We know that the Lord is going to work it out. And so we quickly read over this and we don't allow ourselves to feel what Martha's feeling in this moment. Because if we allow ourselves to feel what Martha's feeling in this moment, it'll actually make sense of how some of us are feeling in this room here today. We know in her story how it works out. We see the end from the beginning of the story, don't we? In this case. We know that Jesus is about to do incredible. Lord, she says to him, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Well, at least there's some glimmer of hope there. Does that sound like us when we're praying? We might feel defeated and we're trying to give some good verbal, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. But praise be to the Lord who will help me. Right? That's not how you're feeling. That's what you're trying. You're trying to muster up the right attitude. Praise God. Please continue to do that. This is what I think she's trying to do here. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, hey, your brother's going to rise again. Now, again, we want to skip to the end, don't we? What is she thinking in the moment? I'll tell you what she's thinking. Read the next verse. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know, O Lord, that you have called the end from the beginning. I know you've done these things. But I'm still brokenhearted, Lord. Look what he says to this. He's so beautiful. Jesus handles this with such beauty and grace. Jesus said to her, yeah, I am the resurrection and the life. She basically acknowledged that in the statement before, didn't she? Right? There was a version of this, yeah, a resurrection at the end time. Jesus clarifies and gives her revelation in the moment, and it sets the entire course of our lives based on this revelation. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. There's a a statement that goes on in, in boxing and it says something like this. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
What, what is this statement saying? It's, it's literally, it's attributed to Mike Tyson, but I think it was around a long time before that. He just, he just got the credit for saying it out loud. <laughs> Everybody's got a plan walking in. Man, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to do this, and then life is going to look like this, and I'm going to get married, and we're going to have kids, and it's going to do this. Uh, I forgot everything that I had just been talking about. Anybody ever been just punched in the mouth? Okay. I, I want to know that. Anybody ever literally been punched in the mouth? Okay. Jennifer, we're going to have to rebuke you for abusing your husband. Is this, it's, it's a truism that we kind of all can look at and go, yeah, everybody seems to have a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Can I encourage you? Our Lord has never been punched in the mouth. He doesn't need to rethink his plan. We're in the middle. When we are in the middle of these things, we have to be reminded of what his plan is. We have to continually come back to this so that we can have the right heart and be <laughs> realigned with what his will is. Turn, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And then let's look at verse 8. We'll look at the second half of verse 8 here. It says, In putting everything under Him, putting everything under Christ, God left nothing that is not subject to Him. Y'all catch that? There's nothing that is not subject to Christ. So that means what? Everything is subject to Christ. Look at this next phrase. Yet at present we do not every, see everything subject to Him. Wait, wait. So is it where everything is subject to Him or not? Yes. Everything is absolutely subject to Him, and yet we still see that we're in a battle. Uh, it's going to come out in, in sermons here in the, in the future, but let's, let's be careful of what kind of theology we're wrapping around God instituting actions in our midst. Not everything that happens is from the Lord. really quiet there. I almost don't want to keep addressing it because I just want to... Not everything that happens is from the Lord. There's sinful man. There are forces of evil that are at play. When we try to make every single thing, everything that happens, you have something terrible happen, and we go, well, God must have wanted it. No, that's ridiculous that negates the idea of we're being in a battle and there's a war that's at play. If there's no war, if God is just determining everything, then why do we have to talk about at war? Are we just pretending like we're at war? No, we're in a battle. You know what that means? That means we have to fight to make things right. We have to fight to have justice and righteousness prevail in our world. That means that everything happens, we don't just go well, I guess it's okay. We get punched in the mouth and go, well, this must be God's will for my life to get punched in the mouth repeatedly. How about you put your hands up and start fighting? Amen. It sounds silly when I say it out loud, doesn't it? It's, it sounds like I'm trying to make a joke, and I'm not. I'm trying to explain how some of us live every day. 
It's just it's embarrassing when I say it out loud. Well, I, I guess God wanted that. Per- no, that person may have been wicked and acting wickedly to you. Stand up for righteousness. Do something right. Find out something that the Word says and go after it. This is what our church is calling you to in the 12th round here in December. Amen. Folks, we don't need more presents. We need to be able to punch the devil right in his face. We need to quit getting punched in our face and blaming it on God. See, when we have bad theology, we start actually accusing God of wrong and we don't realize we're doing it. When some wickedness happens to us, well, God, can He take it and use it in spite of it? Well, of course. Did He originate that? No, because there's an enemy who's trying to kill you, trying to steal from you, trying to destroy you. How about we start engaging it rightly so that we don't A, accuse God of, of something wrong, or B, we keep taking it when we shouldn't. We're getting bullied by the enemy, and we're saying as a church, it's time to stand up and fight. It is time to stand up and fight. And by calling it the 12th round, we realize that we have been fighting. I'm not asking you to even start the fight, most of you. I'm saying you're already in the fight. Let's just not forget why we're there. Let's not forget in between when they ring the bell and you sit down for a second and you get a little drink of water. Yeah, the fight isn't done yet. We've got to engage in the next battle that the Lord puts. You know why? Because <laughs> we've come too far to quit now. Amen? Let's take... Um, Let's take a look. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. You see, at present we do not see everything subject to Him, Hebrews 2 says, but we see Jesus. So the clinch is understanding that God has called the end from the beginning. And yet right now we don't see everything subject to Him. The turn, as we are making a turn in the sermon here, we are illuminated by 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's look what it says so that we can grab hold of what God is saying to us. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Come on, everybody say it with me. Fight the good fight. Joy, if you put up the slide that we have. Well, that's a little bit smaller than I thought it'd be. <laughs> Maybe I <laughs> will have to get my glasses for this too. In 1 Timothy 1.18, the words here for fight the good fight, and we've talked about this before, are strategonome, the good strategia. Okay? Thank you for my Greek. That was, that was as close as it's going to get, so just pretend like it's right. Um, we've got to strategize the good strategy. We've got to war the good warfare. You know that plan that I talked about we have until we get punched in the mouth? You know what it requires? Is that we keep going back to the Word and going, Lord, help me to fight the good fight. Help me to strategize the good strategy. Don't let me be deceived by the enemy's schemes. Come on now. We wouldn't call it schemes if they were always obvious. He's tricky. He's been deceiving more people than not for a long time. We don't want to fall prey to bad theology, to bad thoughts, to us giving up and not even realizing, not engaging in the battle, being lulled to sleep, almost as if we were under a big top. It's time to fight, my friends. 
you're, gonna, you're in the middle of a fight anyway. What's your option? Not fight? You'll get crumbled. You'll get defeated. Well, maybe that was God's will. Of course it wasn't God's will. You just quit fighting. Let's not blame God for our wrongdoing. Amen? We've got to strategize the good strategy. We've got to war the good warfare here. We've got to be able to move. This church, for instance, this church was birthed in the very heart of God, declared and proclaimed to men of God, to His servants. And then since that declaration that God caused life-changing ministries to be, everything has been incredibly easy, just fell into place with no difficulties whatsoever because it was God's will. (laughs) It's hard to say that, right? Sarcasm dripping. Wait, that's not quite right. It has required men of God to scratch from the earth the very precious metals and jewels that are present in this room today. It has required a strategy and a warfare to get us where we are today, and it will require strategy and warfare to achieve the victories that lie ahead. What victories in your life do you need to get some more strategies about? What things has God put before you that He's declared your end from your beginning, and He's saying, this is what I want for you, but you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to get up and go get what the Lord has for you. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. It says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Same word there for waging war. (laughs) We don't have the same type of strategies that the world has. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Everybody say demolish. Going to crumple that mug. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I can assure you that you will not be victorious unless you're successfully engaging in this strategy here in verse 5. You've got to demolish arguments. Anybody have an argument with yourself? I've had arguments with myself before. I'm not even sure who won. <laughs> I don't know how that could be. Oh, I think I'm going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do... What in the world? Somebody saying something? I know this never happens to you guys. But in my world, I'll say something and I can see the reaction on someone's face and know that they have just summarily dismissed everything I just said. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a little shoulder shrug. And I'm like, you just disrespected everything. Well, pastor, you you just had an entire argument in your head while I was saying it and determined that I wasn't right. Hey, I just gave you the word of God. You're not allowed to do that. We've got to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We've got to take captive every thought. My friends, this is one of those easy pastoral things because I know everyone in the room does not do this to the level you should. Take, every, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. My gosh, if we did that. Let's turn to... As we're looking here, we're trying to figure out how to strategize the right strategy here. Think with me in Acts chapter 1. What were they told to do in Acts chapter 1? They were told to 
wait. Here's your, here's your strategy, right? Come on, Joshua. Here's your strategy. Go walk around in silence. And then, and then on the seventh revolution of this, take some seven trumpets and seven priests. Here, here's your game plan. You ready for the game plan? I need you to wait. Hurry up and wait, right? Are we there yet? I need you to, by the power of God, what does he say? He, I need you to wait until what? Until you're empowered. I need you to wait. Here's part of the strategy. I want you to wait on the Spirit of God. And then what happens in Acts chapter 2? They get the Spirit of God, and then what happens? The entire world changes. People getting saved, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, buildings being shaken because they prayed so hard, the sick being healed, the blind being able to see, the dead being raised, the gospel spreading. Come on, what did not happen in the book of Acts? And everything that you could imagine that needed to happen, happened there. You know why? Because they waited, they were empowered, and then they went forth and they did exactly what the Lord showed them to do. They went out and engaged in the battle. In Ephesians chapter 1, turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look in verse 11. It says this, In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything, in conformity with the purpose of His will, the one who calls the end from the beginning, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ. By the way, this is us. The you also. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. (laughs) Anybody ever felt like you were walking around with a mark on you? Anybody ever been marked on a job? Maybe not physically marked. The Bible says here that we were marked in Him with a seal. And what's the seal? The Holy Spirit. Look at, next, look at the next verse. The Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, partially assuring our inheritance. Who is a deposit... Hoping that we can get our inheritance one day. Who is a deposit guaranteeing? Everybody say guarantee. Guarantee. What happens when the Lord of all creation guarantees something? It happens. happens. So why do we live like He hasn't guaranteed it? Why aren't we overcome? Yeah, it's because we're in a battle and we've got to to remember that we're going to keep fighting to see this. You have a guarantee. Everybody say, I have a guarantee. guarantee. Say it again. I have a guarantee. When you start letting this sink into your heart, you know what you start doing? You live differently. If you have a guarantee of the inheritance that is to come, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to let your knees buckle under fear of what's going on today. You're not going to look at the bank account. You're not going to look at the boss. You're not going to look at your spouse. You're not going to look at your kids and start worrying. You're going to go, this is a battle that I must engage in. And I have guaranteed victory from the creator of the universe. Did you hear it today during the prophecies? Lift up your eyes. Get your eyes up to fix on what the Lord has. In Revelation chapter 14, you don't have to turn there. We get an angel proclaiming, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. 
which has made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. You know how long it took for Babylon to actually fall? It was another three or four chapters, five chapters before it happens. <laughs> There's a distance between what God proclaims and us seeing it fully fulfilled. Um, it's almost like, it, as human beings, we like stories, don't we? Now, other churches are going to use movies and movie clips, and we're not going to show you any movie clips. But there's a story that this reminds me of. Some may marvel at it, but others may not. There's a particular superhero that will stand there and call for his hammer. And it becomes kind of a funny scene, too, because he'll be in the middle of a battle and just stick out his hand, and you're like, <laughs> hammer time, right? And then there's the delay. And sometimes you can hear something happen in the background, and other times he just sticks his hand out, and it's like, hey, you look like an idiot. This is a sad, sad representation of what the reality of Christ is like, though. As human beings, we're always trying to come up with stories to explain, but it's always inferior to what the Word of God says. The idea that there is weaponry, and what happens? You know that when the weaponry gets here, whatever that foe is, is now vanquished, demolished, crumpled. I'm, I'm, I just got to get used to the Word. I got to let me work it out a little bit. Is that not an inferior version of what we all feel, though? Lord, you're going to come and help me. Right? What happens in that time? That, that time for, for this final blow to happen. The final blow can't be we're just waiting for it. We've got to actually engage with what's before us because we know that the strength is coming. Amen. We know that the Amen. death blow is within our power to do. That we can be the one. The power of God calling the end for the beginning is that you and I can be the one that has the death blow for the enemy. Amen. That with these hands, that we can impact the kingdom so much that we can cause our enemies to fall before us. And then all the powers of the heavenlies go... Wow, you use that guy to do that? You really are powerful, aren't you? Yes. I just defeated an army of ninjas with a wet noodle. Yes, I did that. Yeah. I don't know how he does this, but this is the plan and this is why we must continue to battle. As we turn to mountain offensive here, we often speak of our mind and our emotions. I've had conversations with people about this all the time. What we think and what we feel, right? We have thinkers and we have feelers. Who in here is a thinker? Like you want to engage everything through your brain? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. Come on, who are the feelers? Come on. Feelers, I don't feel like it today. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I got a question for you. 
If it's been said that our soul is about our mind, our emotions, and our will, how many of our willers in here? Don't we always talk about our mind and our emotions, our mind and our emotions, our mind and our emotions? What are you thinking today? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What about what you're willing to do? You know, when I, I was a, when I was a school teacher, I learned that I could, um, the way I actually said it to colleagues, not to the kids or to their parents, was that I was going to go in the classroom and impose my will upon the kids. Sounds very forceful. But what I meant was I had determined not only what would happen that day, but how it was going to go down. I determined the climate of the room before I walked in. If I wanted to encourage them, it would be a lighthearted climate full of joy and laughter. If I was frustrated with them, I decided that the first person who decided not to be perfect, I was going to let everyone know the climate of the room that day. I was going to let them know that there was high expectations on them that day and they better all come up to it and we just weren't having anything but absolute and utter obedience. I imposed my will on my students and they were the better for it. Today I'm not talking about classrooms or curricula. We're not talking about college-bound students right now. What we're talking about is finding the will of the Lord. We're talking about imposing God's will on our opponents. That's a whole different thing. I'm not asking you to think through this. I'm asking you to find the will that this must be done. Because what happens when your will kicks in? Does it matter what you think anymore? Does it matter what you feel anymore? We need to get to a point where our will... You know, what? you know how the scripture says this? These are called deep convictions. These are the ideas that we are in a battle and it's gonna, we're going to fight. I don't care what I think. I had someone this week tell me, Pastor, it's just easy for you. It's just easy for you, Pastor. <clears throat> so what are you trying to insinuate? You're trying to insinuate that I do not have a fleshly nature that must be overcome? Are you trying to say that I've done such a good job of working through this area in my life that it appears to be easy? Or are you trying to find an excuse not to do what you need to do? It's just easy for you. I mean, you know... The enemy doesn't attack you like he... Oh, wait. I mean, you don't have a fleshly nature that has to... Oh, wait. What are we saying? We're just finding excuses because it's easy. No, the, what makes it easy is in this area, I've got a crystal clear conviction that is unmovable, that is immovable and will not change, and so there is no option. That's what makes it easy. The Lord said this, I'm going to do this. I don't care if I die doing it. I'm going to do this, Period. So in that case, I guess it is easy for me. But you can join me in that. When we have convictions from the Lord, when we, we've clinched, we've turned, and we can mount an offensive to impose the Lord's will, I imposed my will on my students. I'm not asking you to impose your will. I'm asking you to get the deep convictions, the word of the Lord, and impose what he is saying in the face of the enemy. Let me read this to you. You guys know this very well. The best training for a soldier of Christ is not merely a theological college. They always seem to turn out sausages of varying lengths tied at each end without the glorious freedom a Christian ought to abound and rejoice in. 
You see, when in hand-to-hand -hand conflict with the world and the devil, neat little biblical confectionery is like shooting lions with a pea shooter. One needs a man who will let himself go and deliver blows right and left as hard as he can hit, trusting in the Holy Ghost. I have to, I have to tell you, I've heard this hundreds of times now. I've heard it, I've read it, and I can tell you that I'm moved every time I get to this one line that says, one needs a man who will let himself go and deliver blows right and left as hard as he can hit. Guys, we're in the 12th round. You know what we can't do right now? Is decide that our arms are too heavy. Decide that we're too tired to engage in this. We must develop this ability to just keep throwing blows. You know why? Because we've already been promised. We've been guaranteed the victory. So keep throwing the blows. Amen? Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6 as we get ready to close. 2 Kings 6. <laughs> Look at this. Let's look at verse 13. This is Elisha. It's really a pretty fantastic story. You can read a little bit before where we are. He hears from the Lord and warns the king of Israel at every point when the king of Aram sets a trap for him. Elisha tells the king and says, hey, be careful over there. And every time, the king of Aram is, is so upset, he's like, is somebody giving him all the answers here? They're like, King, it's like he's hearing what you're saying in your bedroom. Wow. Verse 13. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so, so I can send men <clears throat> and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan, meaning Elisha. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Again, I don't know how big the city was, but if you've got an army that surrounded the city, that's a lot of people. Yeah. However you want to envision that, that's a lot of enemy forces. And then it says, when the servant uh, of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and uh, chariots surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever prayed that prayer to the Lord? Oh my Lord. What shall I do? Look at the response. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than who are with them. Now, don't you immediately spiritualize that? Yes, we are more than conquerors. Yeah, but it didn't stop you from four seconds early going, Oh my Lord, what do I do? And Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So get this picture. We've got the man of God and his servant. The city is surrounded by a natural force and God's force is surrounding the natural force, surrounding God's people. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you envisioning this with me? I want to encourage us. If we're going to mount an offensive today, we've got to have our eyes open to what's really going on. We've got to be reminded we're serving the one who calls the end from the beginning and that we're in the 12th round and we've got to keep delivering blows right and left as hard as we can throw them with absolute, utter abandonment for what God has said. My friends, sometimes in a battle, especially in the later rounds, we can lose our vision. 
I was thinking about it this way. Our sight can get cloudy because of sweat. Just the remnants of labor. (laughs) Man, has this been a busy year for anyone else in this place? The amount of work that you're supposed to do just seems to never end. I always used to kid around and say, it's like I'm working with a shovel, but someone's backing up with a dump truck and dumping more than I can ever seem to shovel out. I'm working as hard as I can in the... And, and it keeps piling up higher. How is this possible? Yeah, this is the way that it feels sometimes. And we have to get the sweat out of our eyes so that we can see rightly what's going on. I felt this way before. Another way that, that we lose sight is sometimes we just... We get a little blood in our eyes. Cuts have opened up. We've been battling so hard. We're in a fierce, fierce battle. It's interesting when you go uh, and you watch things on the movie and TV and the single punch that knocks out everybody. Yes, I've seen those, and, you know, that's usually not the case. That's usually not the case. Some other man who does not want to go down, that's a difficult task. Sometimes because we're in the battle, and sometimes we can just get blood in our eye. We've got to allow the Lord to wash these things out. Truth is, is sometimes we just get fatigued. Anybody ever been so tired that you started seeing things? Anybody ever been driving at night and something like, you're like, there's something on the road. There ain't nothing on the road. You're too tired. You need to stop. You're in trouble. Anybody ever been so tired in your walk with the Lord that you start seeing things that aren't there? You start getting worried about things that actually haven't materialized at all? My friends, it's time for us to wipe our eyes. It's time for us to get vision from the heavens. We know that everything has been put under the rule and the reign and the lordship of Jesus Christ, yet we don't see everything currently in that state, but we see Jesus. We can put our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We've got to be able to refocus. We're going to just read a few scriptures here together, and then we're going to respond here. Deuteronomy 29, 29. I'm just going to rapid fire these. Joy, if you can get them up on the screen, that'd be great. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the Lord. It is God's will that He gives us clear vision. He wants us to see what He sees. He wants to give us His very plan of action. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan. Did everybody hear that? Is that on the screen? Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to the servants, the prophets. You know what that means? He wants you to see it. He wants you to have clear eyesight. You know why? Because He doesn't want you swinging at the wrong people. You can watch some fail videos, and there'll be boxers or fighters that are so turned around, they'll start swinging at the ref. They'll start swinging at their own corner man. Hey, how about we not have any friendly fire in this place? How about we not turn and start swinging at the person who's sitting next to us? How about we not start swinging at the people who are around us? How about we get our eyes clear and clean so that we can engage the enemy and have our blows going towards them? Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plans. Psalm 25, verse 14 says this, The Lord confides in those who fear Him. What does He do? He confides in us. He gives us the right kind of vision. He makes His covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, 
for only He will release my feet from the snare. In Genesis 18, we do this passage a lot, but I want to focus on verse 17. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram what I'm about to do? He then goes on to say he's chosen Abraham, Abram, uh, I'm sorry, Abraham because he will direct his children and his household after him. But you know what started that phrase? I don't think I want to hide this from him. I, want to, I think I want to tell him exactly what the plan is so he'll know how to rightly engage. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. Just because you can't see it now, I'm saying let's call out to God, let's find out what He's saying, let's get clear vision, and let's engage the enemy. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. It's there for us. He's already declared it. John 15. I no longer call you servants. Uh, John 15, 15. I'm sorry. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Luke 10, verse 23. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Friends, I can tell that to each person in this room. If you are here and are a steady member here at Life Changing Ministries, I want to tell you, blessed are your eyes for being able to see what you see. It's a blessing when our eyesight is clear. In Revelation 1, it begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. It begins with Him opening our eyes. And in Ephesians chapter 1, everybody turn with me for our last scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 18. It says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Isn't that interesting? Where does he put the eyes in that case? On our heart. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What happens there is He opens the eyes of your heart. It refreshes your hope so that you can be reminded of His power so that you can engage the enemy. That's what Ephesians 1 talks to us about. It clearly lays this out. Guys, today, what, what a non-normal December kind of message, right? It's going to be our normal. This is our normal. Whether you like it or not, and the truth is, is we all like it, we're in a battle. We need to have clear vision. We need to clinch and understand that we're in this battle. We're turning because we're going to strategize a good strategy and get clear vision. And we are engaging the enemy that's before us. You have been promised. You have been guaranteed the victory. Let's be a group of people that will actually act like it. Stand to your feet today with me.